Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse and the National Women's Soccer League both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. Or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, here we go on a busy Monday. Urban Meyer, Jimmy Johnson, the Hall of Famer, stopping in live in Los Angeles. It's the Herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Our day is your day. Your day is our day. We're working together one hour from now where Colin was right. Tyler Murray, baby. And where Colin was wrong. (laughs) So... You know, you get through to the end of the season, and there are some things that are pretty clear. And one of them is, I wouldn't want to have to go to Baltimore and face the Ravens. Go ask the Lions. Go ask Miami. Go ask Detroit. Go ask the Rams. Good luck going to Detroit and beating that team, J-Mac. Yeah, happy new year to you, pal. And uh, it was a uh, bad Sunday for me, but uh, we start (laughs) the new year today. Very excited. On to week 18. All right. It's a perfect marriage. John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens. Here's why it's a perfect marriage. The Ravens have always had a little chip on their shoulder about the Steelers and all those trophies, getting all the love in their division. And John Harbaugh got a little chip on his shoulder. The Harbaugh's do, nearly fired. And Lamar Jackson is constantly quieting the critics. It is a perfect marriage. And here came flashy and fun and warm weather Miami, and they had a bullseye on them for almost four hours. You know, there are certain debates I'm just not going to get involved in. Like vaccines worked, and they save millions of older Americans. I'm not going to argue with you. California's not the worst place to live. I've been here eight years. It's nice. And Tom Cruise, little wacky with Scientology, dude can act. He does a movie, they're always good. And Lamar Jackson's really special. This he can't pass nonsense? Give me a break. Yesterday, at a perfect passer rating. He's done that three times. You know how many times Mahomes has had a perfect passer rating? Zero. No current player equals Lamar Jackson in perfect passer rating days. Dude can pass. And yes, Tom Cruise can act. Add to that his mobility. 
his competitiveness, uh, his dominance on the field, and it looks like he's going half speed, his toughness. They score 10.5 points more when he plays than when he doesn't. And that number is significant. That's the number Vegas odds makers felt that Aaron Rodgers was worth in his prime. 10 and 11 points a game. 10, 10 and a half, 11 points a game. When Rodgers was the most talented quarterback in this league. And that was considered like, a, a, you know, four to five points more than even good quarterbacks. That's where Lamar is. Yeah, I didn't know what he was going to be out of college. I had my doubts. Skinny kid who ran a lot. By the way, so did everybody in the NFL. That's why most of the first round passed on him. 80% of quarterbacks who were drafted round one through seven don't work. Over half the first round quarterbacks don't work. The quarterbacks drafted above him in the draft didn't work. I know you internet sleuths and geniuses. You knew from the very beginning. Nobody else did. Nobody thought this is what you were going to have. The most dominating player in the league going to win his second MVP. Um, it's just stubborn and stupid, though. Even if you didn't know what he was going to be, if you're still not acknowledging he's great. He wins 80% of his games. He's worth 10 to 11 points per game. You saw him against San Francisco and Miami dismantle those defenses. Literally, people don't know how to defend him. Do you pass rush him? Good luck blitzing him. Yesterday on the blitz, he was money. He's missing a Pro Bowl tight end. Both of his top two running backs. His offensive line, including his Pro Bowl left tackle, has missed time this year. His best receiver is a 5'9 rookie who sometimes gets the drops. And they're going to be the number one seed in the better conference. In a great division. The guy is magic. W-O-W. Watch the Niners. They were terrified of him. Watch the Dolphins. They don't have an answer for him. And yesterday was classic Lamar. This idea he can't pass. Listen, it's okay to make mistakes. You don't need to own the internet every day. But you got to admit when you're wrong. Like with Lamar, I had no idea what it would look like. But by year two, I was like, yeah. What was I saying? He throws a lot better than people think. And the Ravens have been physically banged up all year. And he just overcomes it. Not overcomes it, blows out the Niners, blows out the Dolphins, blows out Detroit earlier this year, blows out Seattle, beats a red-hot Rams team. There's nothing else like him. He is the classic one-of-one, ask Miami, and here's his coach after. I don't know if I've seen a more impressive performance in a game. I'm not sure I've seen a more impressive performance in a season up to date. And obviously, we have a lot more to do. we got a lot of work to do in front of us. But it's a mature football team, and they understand that. Way to go, Lamar, again. So it seems almost improbable. Took Denver forever to replace Elway. They had to go to the market and buy somebody, Peyton Manning. It's taken Miami ever to replace Marino. Finally, Tua Mike McDaniel connect. Nobody, nobody has a great quarterback, and then another great quarterback, and then another great quarterback in succession. The league doesn't work that way, except in Green Bay. Favre Hall of Famer, Rodgers great. I don't know if Jordan loves a Hall of Famer, but we have to admit now, he is the quarterback of the future for Green Bay. They do it different in Green Bay. They draft him, they sit him, they develop him, they give him an offensive coach, let it bake. It pushes back on the conventional NFL methods, which is draft them, play them early, see if they've got it, bunch of mistakes, 
live through it. Coaches get fired. If it doesn't work, get rid of them, draft another quarterback. NFL not for long. That's the rest of the league. <laughs> Green Bay goes the other way. We're going to waste three years of that rookie salary. We don't care. We got to get it right. And Green Bay is very unique to begin with. They don't have an owner. They have a stadium right in the middle of a neighborhood. They don't get top free agents. They bizarrely rarely draft offensive players in the first round, but always have great offenses. It's, it's very unique. Um, I don't know how great he's going to be. He can still be erratic. But this is what I've been saying all year about Justin Fields and Jordan Love. So much of quarterback, young quarterback play in this league is what is your support system? Justin Fields has way more to overcome. An old out-of-touch owner, shaky front office, initially a bad O-line, a defensive coach. Green Bay just does it right. And I'm not saying Favre wouldn't have succeeded, but he was down in Atlanta. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have succeeded without Green Bay. But he was a junior college guy, can be a little prickly. He had talent, but so did lots of guys. But there is something about the methodology of what Green Bay does. They don't rush it. They don't have a biting acerbic media on their butt. They draft. They develop. They sit them, they waste some early salary cap years, and then when they put them out there, Aaron Rodgers a little shaky at first, but then, wow, Jordan Love really shaky at first, and then, wow, he's got four good, twitchy young receivers, two excellent young tight ends, a good offensive coach, and the Packers' own lines are always stable. In fact, this morning, and we looked it up, the most touchdowns ever by first and second year players ever on this Green Bay team. So they're the youngest team in the league. They're all growing together. And where Aaron was older, he was like the old front man of the band, and he didn't want a young guitar player. Like, he, he didn't want a young drummer. Like, he was like, nah, this isn't going to work. By the way, Brady doesn't like a lot of young guys. LeBron doesn't like playing with young guys. A lot of the legends, they get to mid-30s and up. They don't want to be, they don't want to be teachers. They don't want to be mentors. They want to win games. Aaron wasn't really that particularly interested in working with young guys. So Jordan Love generationally was a great fit. He can make mistakes with the guys. Same music, same tech, same lifestyle, same age. It just fits better. And if you look at the numbers, there is no denying it. Same passer rating. First season as a starter. Passer rating, Jordan Love 93.8, Rodgers 93.8. Completion percentage identical. TD to interceptions virtually identical. Now the rules now are more offensive leaning, but Aaron inherited a team out of an NFC championship. Jordan Love is inheriting the youngest roster in the league with a bunch of rookie and second-year tight ends and receivers. So what he's doing to me is much more impressive, and Matt LaFleur, watching him hammer Minnesota, talked about it. I can't say enough great things about him. Just his ability to, to hang in there versus some tough looks, drifting away from pressure, putting the ball in play, allowing his guys to go make plays. I think he is playing at an incredibly high level. I'm super happy for him because he's put in a ton of work to, to get to this point. And um, I, I really think the sky's the limit for him. Patience, development. He was bad in October. Like, like I was like, you know, this doesn't work. This is bad. But that's the difference in Chicago where they can't get quarterback right and in Green Bay where they seemingly always get quarterback right. Offensive coach. Good receiver drafts, 
patient, develop, not forced to play right away, doesn't get beat up physically, doesn't get beat up emotionally. If you put Justin Fields in Green Bay and you put Jordan Love in Chicago, I don't know this to be true, but it wouldn't shock me if their careers were reversed. If now Jordan Love, people were saying, eh, draft Caleb Williams. And Justin Fields, everybody was saying like, eh, he had to sit for a long time, but that guy's really good. Could that be the case? I don't think it's crazy. Justin Fields, to me, has got a big whip, got a big arm, moves really well, can be more spectacular. But support systems are so important for almost all these quarterbacks. And Green Bay does quarterback right. We said it months ago. We say it again. If Jordan Love was going to work, Green Bay would squeeze every ounce of talent out of him. This is what they do three in a row. Took Denver forever to replace Elway. Miami ever for Marino. Green Bay's like, by the way, in three years, maybe four, they'll be drafting another quarterback. And he won't play for three years. And guys like me will doubt him. He'll probably be four in a row because it's what they do well, perpetually and consistently. J-Mac, we got a lot to talk about. People freaking out about um, the Cowboy Lions officiating. I've got a different Mm. take on that. Yeah. It's officiating. I, I, the, the Jordan Love love, by the way. Jordan Love love that yeah. you're giving him. Uh, all these Packers fans killing me for my take last week. Okay, so Jordan Love was outstanding last night. Jordan Love's coming to the uh, negotiating table. You know what he wants? He wants Daniel Jones' money. You going to give it to him? Well, they gave him a two-year deal. <laughs> right? So he's got that contract. But I do think the difference with Daniel Jones is you can see the ceiling. With Jordan Love, I still think he can be a little erratic He's growing and learning, but I don't see the ceiling. Hmm. I, it's like Aaron Rodgers' first year. Did you know he would be arguably better than Favre, 6-10 first year? Like, you didn't see the ceiling with Aaron. You saw talent. With Jordan, I don't, I don't see the ceiling. Again, I think he's got to refine it. Be a little, he's a little loose at times. But again, first year starting in the NFL, I can deal with that. I'm glad you brought that up because when Rodgers was 6-10, he signed like a six-year, $63 million deal. At $10 million a year, Rodgers ends up winning a Super Bowl, right. making all these playoff runs. You give Jordan Love like a Daniel Jones-type contract? Well, he's not, there. He's not there yet. You this year and next Murray year, money? very favorable Green Bay. And this, this team's too young to win a Super Bowl. If they make the playoffs, they, I don't even think they – I doubt they'd win a game. They're capable of winning a game. Yeah. They're too young to win two playoff yeah. games. They're not beating the Niners. I just don't think they – I don't think they're built to win two playoff games. But this, this is, I mean, we've seen this again. They don't draft offensive guys in the first round, and they always have good offenses. Like, there's a, there's a method to it, and it works. Yeah, okay. You, you, big quarterback weekend for you with Kyler and uh, Jordan Love, huh? Woo-hoo! Big Sunday. Well, Kyler. Feeling all excited. Kyler. Kyler. Ooh, Kyler. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This League Uncut, the new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. 
This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I watched Detroit and Dallas, and... I didn't like the ending of the game, and I'm not talking about the officials, which I don't know if there was deception. I, it, you can argue about it all day long. It's over, and nobody's rescinding the call, and Dallas won, and Detroit lost. I was as confused as you were. But um, that ending is why I don't trust Dallas or Detroit. Let's start with Dallas. Under two minutes left. You lead 17-13. to 13, You have a great kicker. Why are you passing the ball? Detroit's got one timeout left. What are you doing? No situational awareness. What are you doing? Run the ball. Set up your field goal kicker. Go ahead 20 to 13 instead of throwing a heave out of bounds, stopping the clock, allowing Detroit another crucial timeout. 
If you're going to pass, maybe a screen, high percentage. Maybe Dak, quarterback draw, something high percentage. Not hurl it out of bounds, stopping the clock. You are in field goal range. You have a great field goal kicker. Go up by a touchdown. It's not difficult. Dak should know better. Mike McCarthy should know better. What's going on? Another Mike McCarthy blunder with clock management. How about Detroit? Yes, the refs appeared to hose you. But take a PAT and go to overtime. You had momentum. You just kept that Cowboy team on the field. What are you doing? Dan Campbell, you're not a fan. You're a coach. Players always want to go for it. Fans always want to go for it. Coaches step in unemotionally, without reckless regard, and just kick the PAT. You'd already used your trick play. And it was a great trick play. Confused the refs. But now you can't go back to another trick play. And Dallas is too good situationally on defense to try and score again in that crowded red zone. What are you doing? Again, everybody wants to talk about the officials, and I get it. But this illustrates why I don't think Detroit or Dallas are trustable late in games, in big playoff games, where the margins shrink. There's, there's no more Washington Commanders in the playoffs. There's no more Carolina Panthers. Yeah, Dallas is 8-0 at home. Great. You're not going to get these New York Giants twice in the playoffs. You're getting a San Francisco. Uh, you're going to get an angry Philadelphia. You're getting a red-hot Rams team. You're maybe getting a Packer team that is spinning it offensively. Here was Mike McCarthy on that decision to throw it deep and stop the clock on the final drive. I think the the thing there is, you know, I'm trying. We're trying. We're trying to put it away. I mean, obviously, you call plays you feel good about, um, but you know, first down was a struggle for us all day. I can't tell you how many second longs we had. I'm trying to still, you know, get in striking distance on third down. So that was the thought. There's a reason they call it clock management. The clock is a big part of football, late in games. Manipulate it. Force teams to use a timeout. Detroit, they don't want to. Here was Dan Campbell on his decision to go for two. I told the offense that we were were going down 141 left. We're going to go down and score. And then we're going to go for two and finish this game out. I told him that. And so that's what we were doing. And uh, being backed up, that didn't change anything when you get backed up? To the backed seven. up where? To the seven instead of the two from the two-point play. You did, did you think at all? We were going for the win. Well, again, reassess plans when information and data change. You'd used your trick play. And it really should have been a walk-off win. It should have been. It looks like it was a blunder. I got your back on that one. But it didn't because the officials were confused. I was confused. Viewers confused. And so you you had your trick play. You designed, eh, okay, eh, for officiating reasons or whatever, communication reasons, it didn't work. And now you got to go and you got to kick. This Jared Goff play was wonderful. And I was on the couch going, what a play call. But the officials negate it. Unemotional. Take a deep breath. Kick the PAT. You're the better team. 800 yards of total offense. You'll be able to move the ball again. Don't trust these teams. Forget the officials. You can't control them. I can control my teams and my play calling and my clock management. Detroit, Dallas, can't see either team winning two games.
in the playoffs. One, maybe. One at home, sure. Two, can't see it. J-Mac with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. I'm sure you saw this meme uh, over the weekend but that where the Lions were telling the referee something and he starts to run off. Um, essentially, like, I'm the referee and my wife is the Lions telling me something important. I just don't hear it. I mean, Lions got jobbed there, Colin. You, you I have to felt it. like to me they got jobbed. But when you get jobbed, the key is don't be a fan. Yeah. You know, don't be a player. Okay, we got jobbed. Let's kick the PAT, yeah. go to overtime. That That's why you're a coach. You know, coordinators sometimes aren't trustable because coordinate yeah. offensive coordinator wants to go for it. Defensive coordinator wants sacks for the resume. You know, Belichick tells stories about Josh McDaniel. Sometimes, Josh, win the game. Yeah. Um, Get to overtime. Kick the PAT. Listen, did it not feel like the Lions had worked on this play all season, saved it up for the perfect spot? Oh, we're going to trick them with the who's eligible. And he was just so hard up to use it. He burned it. Like, that was coach of the year right there. Campbell wins that. Coach of the year. Lions in the mix for the number one seed. Like, everything. And he just blew it all. You can't go back to that play now. Everybody's going to be ready for it. Right. Waiting for the LNL. I thought they used it at the perfect time. It was perfect. It just, once it doesn't work due to officiating, sometimes you're, you're, you're really, you're not gambling with house money. Like, at that point now, that's your money. Yeah, just now, move off. Move off it. Take a deep breath. Go to overtime. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the uh, 49ers. Nobody's talking about the 49ers or Brock Purdy. They had a nice win over the Commanders, 27-10. Purdy set the new 49ers single-season passing yard record. Mm. They've had some decent quarterbacks there, right? Young, Montana. Yeah. De- decent guys. Um, San Francisco secured the number one seed in the NFC. Here's Kyle Shanahan all excited. I was real proud of the guys today because it was a it was a tough week. I mean, I think it was more about the emotions of last week. Whenever you have a big game like that, and it's just it's so exciting to play on Christmas in front of everyone, um, those two the two teams with the records, and it's just the emotions for everybody was huge. And then um, it's you're tired from that. It takes a while to get everyone back going again, not just physically but also mentally. Um, so I had a lot of concerns about that throughout the week. Talked to the players a lot about it, but you never know how they're going to be till game day. And I was just pumped that they went out, um, didn't worry about anything else, and found a way to win today. Well, I think we both believe this team's getting to the NFC Championship, right? Uh, I'll go one step further. I don't see who's beating them in the NFC. I I think, you know, in a weird way, isn't the Baltimore blowout loss their ally? Just humbles them. You don't want to go with nine straight, double-digit wins rolling people. Eh, Right before you go to the playoffs, Mm. you get rolled at home. It's it's a reminder to everybody, fellas. You don't show up. You start feeling yourself. You can get rolled by good teams in this league. So, so in a it's like losing in March Madness before the tournament starts. Yeah, it's not the worst thing. A good Kansas team goes out in the conference tournament and gets you know, whacked by twelve, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Bill Self can say, fellas, starting to get into your feels. I I got asked though, did you? Uh, not a lot of people watch this game closely. I don't know if our audience knows right now. Christian McCaffrey got hurt in this game. Yes. Uh, the calf injury started to like sub in Mitchell. You're like, what's going on here? Two weeks off. Okay. What do you do with everyone else? Do you bubble wrap them against the Rams and say, well, oh, take them out. We're no. inactive Debo. We're Trent Williams. No. no. What do you do? They have depth at running back. I would use the backup running backs. Is Trent I- Williams playing against the Rams? I would say no. Okay. So the two people that I worried most about were Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams. I think I would play everybody else, including Debo and Kittle, 
but I would have a, a little bit of a different mindset. I'd probably play for health Sam Darnold, the backup running backs, a backup left tackle, and then I just go with my unit. And again, if Fred Warder's dinged, or if a cor- or, or, or one of your defensive linemen's dinged, this is a great week because the Rams are in, mm-hmm. you're in as the number one seed. Listen, I, I'm just, there's no reason to play McCaffrey, Trent Williams, and Purdy. There's no reason to. If you're the Rams, I have real questions about, I think because they're so young, I think the Niners aren't a bunch of kids. Veteran teams need rest. A young team like the Rams this week, playing the Niners, I think I would play most of the team. I may give Cooper Cup the week off because, you know, he's one of those guys that gets dinged. But I think the Niners are your classic veteran team proving themselves Injury-prone left tackle running back, they sit. Okay. Now, I we would need to look at the permutations here, but if the Rams beat the Lions in the playoffs, right? I think they're slated to play in the first round. Whew. Whew. Like, I think the 49ers would then play the Rams again in two weeks. So you don't want to put anything on tape. These two know each other really well. That's a very good point. Um, Do you not play Stafford? I, could, I would say Stafford and Cooper Cup. I would not. Those guys get dinged up. I, I would I would consider resting Aaron Donald. But that uh, defense is young. I'd play most of those guys and give them reps. You don't need any more props for having a great week. I think 4-1. and one. But I do believe you, when I took the Rams on Friday, you said Rams special teams. <laughs> those guys give up a punt return touchdown <laughs> to blow the cover. Uh, I'm, 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 I've moved on. Okay, let's go on. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Next up, Buffalo Bills won their fourth straight game yesterday. Uh, set up a massive Week 18 game against the Dolphins, the reeling Dolphins. Boy, that's the one. Um, that's the one game next week you have to watch. I'll, I'll let you guess the spread in a second. Ooh, um, ooh. Now the winner gets the number two seed. However, Buffalo, I think, can actually miss the playoffs if they lose and a bunch of other crazy stuff happens. Um, Buffalo nine and one in their last ten against the Dolphins. Now the game's down in Miami. It is, but and the Miami my, Bradley Chubb injury is massive. It is. Miami comes off a humiliating loss, and they're at home. So the, so that is a dangerous spot for the Buffalo Bill. You know my rule in gambling. Good teams that get humiliated physically with capable offenses. A lot of teams get humiliated, but two of Mike McDaniel. They're going to come back and play well. Okay, possibly. Uh, Buffalo spanked Miami in the earlier meeting, won by like 25. They can't stop Josh Allen. They've never figured that out. Okay, what do you think the spread is? Well, uh, here's the thing. Chubb's out. Chubb's out. Waddle doesn't look like he's going to be back. And Howard got dinged up. Howard got left on a cart in the first quarter. Like, there's a lot. Tua got dinged up. Is he playing? He has to play. Come on, of course. Okay, okay. My, oh my God, this is a tough line. Let me just double check in case it moved here. But I saw it like an hour okay, ago. Okay, I'm going to guess. I, I I have no idea. I think Buffalo's going to win, but I think the odds makers that Miami at home, humil- I, I will say Miami minus one and a half. No. Not close? Buffalo minus three. Uh, Everybody's selling their Dolphin stock. Now, they know, uh, the odds makers know nobody's betting Miami after that. They got to set it a little high. Everybody's betting Buffalo, right? Even though Buffalo looked like garbage against the Patriots. Did not get the cover for me. I think Buffalo's the better team right, right Billy now. Billy Zappi had three what? first half yeah, turnovers and the Bills could not do Didn't get a single Miami Dolphin fan uh, email. Didn't get a single pushback. Folks, like always, I was a week ahead of the curve. Coward had a good week. Let's just give him his no, due. No, no, just... My thing was, I refuse to give Miami any major credit for the Dallas win. They deserve credit for winning, Dallas losing. But it was Dallas on the road. 
a week later, you were what we thought you were, which is against good teams. Get out of your comfort zone. You fold like a deck chair. Well, Vic Fangio, I don't know what the hell he was doing all weekend defensively. Guys open all over the field. for. I mean, like wide open. Nobody near him. I, really bad look for the Dolphins. Final story. How about this one? All right, we're going to have to do this one. This is going to – Panthers fall to 2-14, and 14, Colin, but that wasn't even the story, nor was Bryce Young being terrible again. Owner David Tepper of the Panthers appears to throw his drink, looks like a uh, vodka tonic maybe, at a fan from his suite. Now you can see him here, the fan saying something, Tepper's all worked up, he's got his hat on, his pullover, and he just chucks a drink at the guy. Uh, The NFL is looking into it. Colin, we're only seeing one side of the story. We don't know what this bozo said. Now, again, nothing really excuses throwing a drink, but I at least want to know what this guy said. Was it something really personal? Was it? uh, Who knows? Anything could have been said. But that's really embarrassing behavior by an owner. By a billionaire? That is childish. A little bit. I mean, if I was Roger Goodell, I would fine him. He'll probably get fined. Yeah, I mean, that's just immature. Listen, you could say, well, what the fan? You know how many times fans say stupid stuff to players? Should they go in and swing at a fan? Fans are drunk. Fans are short for fanatic. We don't hold fans to any standard. They go wear jerseys, get drunk. They say all sorts of dumb stuff. Fans are essential for sports, but we we don't hold them to a standard. Quarterbacks, players, coaches, staff, owners. You can't do stuff like that. It's embarrassing. We all have a breaking point. This guy's had a rough season. He can't pick a coach. Maybe well, no, I mean, what you're seeing now <laughs> yeah. is a trend with him. Rash, impulsive, yeah. ego. I mean, I've heard from two people inside that building. David Tepper, because he got rich, thinks he knows everything about of everything. Of course. Come on. That guy's wealthy. Um, you know, you're right about fans. They're a little crazy. We saw Buffalo Bills fans. I don't know if you saw the video. Jump off, uh, onto a burning table and the guy got lit on fire. Like, fans yeah. are crazy. Yeah. I don't know how lubricated this dude was. I just want to know what he said. That's all. I'm just curious what would be so bad that this guy would throw a drink on him? Because I'm sure you get approached, uh, you know, in places no, and people, people say stuff. People are nice to me, but I'm not firing coaches a third the way through the yeah. season. And I it's mean, not just NFL. His other teams, he's firing guys left and right. Yeah, he, this is not acceptable. There's no thing any fan could have said that's, that's not acceptable. I don't care if you're saying something about family members as an owner step away what, what, what are we doing here gotta do better yeah clearly <laughs> j-mac with the news well that's the news and thanks for stopping by the herd lie news <sighs> kyler murray don't forget colin right colin wrong top of next hour we got two major college football games today Jim Harbaugh's camp leaks a story about the NFL. I don't even know where to start. I had to do four hours today. I should just tell the other shows, go home, take New Year's Eve off. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Friday, it's a huge double header on FS1 as fifth ranked UConn takes on Butler, followed by a Big Ten clash between two of the country's best teams as number 11 Illinois battles top ranked Purdue all on FS1 and the Fox Sports app. Well, you know, I'm a fan of Kyler Murray. Uh, he's a huge talent, but Philadelphia, and I've been Mr. Optimistic with the Eagles, but they lost 35 31. Uh, Arizona had 32 first downs. I mean, just if you didn't watch this game, they should have won by more. I'm getting to the point with the Eagles. Um, was last year's magic mostly driven by two great coordinators who were so good they got head coaching jobs, and both are overachieving now, one with Arizona and one with the Colts. When teams have personnel, but they can't resolve issues, that's a head coach issue. That's the Chargers' defense with Brandon Staley. It's better since he left. Nick Sirianni, they were outscored 29-10 to by Arizona. That's a bad defense. 
They have the receiver talent, the tight end talent, the O-line talent, the left tackle talent, the running back talent, the quarterback's talented. It's all there. Outside of the tush push, what are they offensively? A.J. Brown has not had a touchdown. He didn't have one in December. Not one. How? Jalen Hurts is now wildly inconsistent. Has more giveaways this year. We still got a game to go. Then he had the previous two years when he had offensive coordinator Shane Steichen in the building. The pass rush. Where did it go? Last year, first in the league, 70 sacks, blew the league away. This year, a little more than half, 41. Was it the coordinator? Was it the personnel? I, I, I'm not saying some of their defensive shortcomings, they're not very good in the back end. But Nick Sariani, McVeigh, and Kyle Shanahan have lost great coordinators, and they just keep finding great ones. Maybe it's luck. But Sirianni had two great coordinators. They both left, and it looks like he, he kind of missed on the next guys. It happens. And I'm not saying Philly's defense has elite personnel. It's not this bad. They, their pass rush now is, eh. Last year, it wrecked the league. So now, now, is it because last year they played with gigantic leads all the time and that they Hassan Reddick could pin his ears back? Maybe that's part of it. But this, this Philly mess doesn't feel like it's just a personnel mess. The offense is all over the map. What are they? What do they do well outside of the tush push? Here's Nick Sariani after. Obviously, it's been done, and uh, you know all those you know teams have been able to to do it. Um, you know, obviously, you always want to play at home. You always want to win the division. You always want to play at home. Um, path might be harder, but shoot, uh, you know, like I said, our our goals are ahead of us. We got to get things fixed, and we got to get them fixed fast. Um, we're not where we want to be right yet, uh, as far as you know how we're playing right now, but and how we're coaching right now. But uh, we got time to to get it fixed. Yeah, you want to go into the playoffs. Knowing what you do well. You want answers, not questions. It's why, you know, there's certain Dallas. Like, wh what does Dallas do well offensively? I know C.D. Lamb is great, but they don't run the ball. They're not good situationally. Dak's good at home, not as good on the road. What do the Cowboys do well? Consistently. Niners run the ball consistently. Ravens <laughs> do a lot consistently. Philadelphia's issue is offensively, I don't even know, you, you're supposed to be able to, and, and we've said this before, if you have a good CEO, a flawed company should, you would imagine, over time, solve some of the issues. <laughs> I understand the defensive weaknesses. A lot of those are personnel. The offense, the O-line's great. It's got Hall of Famers on it. Right tackle, center, left tackle's great. A.J. Brown, Smith, good tight ends, capable running backs, Jalen Hurts. If you can't solve issues by this time, that's the Chargers defense with Staley. It feels like a head coaching issue. All right, this story. Often say on this show, it's not the story, it's why it got out. Stories get out when somebody wants them out. Right before they're about to play Alabama today, somebody I imagine on the Harbaugh side leaks out, Jim Harbaugh hires Don Yee. Why did that story get out? I mean, the fact that it's a story, yeah, Don Yee's an NFL agent. Harbaugh knows him. Don Yee's worked with the Raiders, Chargers before. He had Brady, Sean Payton. That's, that's not a big deal. 
Why did it get out? Somebody wants it out. My guess is Jim Harbaugh is reminding everybody, I'm going to do what I want on my terms. I got all the leverage. And he does. Michigan recently put in a clause. We'll sign you, but for one year, you cannot pursue the NFL. And Jim Harbaugh is saying, you think you have the power? Do you see this place before I got here? You had like 30,000 empty seats. Ohio State was pulverizing you. I'm the best coach on the market, college or pro. We now dominate and own Ohio State. I am going to pursue what I want, when I want. I'm a Michigan man. I've been loyal. But this is a flex. This is Jim saying, I'm the right coach for you. I'm the right coach for the Raiders. I'm the right coach for the Chargers. Administrations mostly have their leverage. In this case, they don't. And I'm going to make sure you know I've got the leverage and you don't. So that's what it feels like to me. It's not a it's not a big surprise that Don Yee and Harbaugh would work together. Har- Yee's an NFL agent. We've talked about Harbaugh in the NFL. But the fact that it leaks is a reminder to Michigan, hey, win or lose against Alabama, you need me more than I need you. And they do. Now, it should be noted, there's two big college football games. Hour and a half from now, we're going to have on Urban Meyer to break them both down. Uh, I like Washington certainly with the points to cover against Texas. And last night, this morning, I think I'm going to take Washington to upset Texas. Sark in a big game against Kalen DeBoer. All that time to prep. I think I'm going to take Washington's ability, even if they're outplayed, their ability to catch up with that NFL offense, NFL tackles, NFL quarterback, NFL receivers, an elite offensive coach, a great offensive coordinator. Washington, even if they're outplayed, if they can keep it relatively close, uh, I like the points. Washington, and I'd go money line. I think Washington's going to win the game. Uh, Sark's teams, as you know in close games, can drive you nuts. They are the best team in terms of NIL. Um, Alabama, Texas, J-Mac and I have talked about this. I don't have a read on it. Michigan's been the most consistent team in college football. Alabama is a red-hot surging team. Those are scary. But before they beat Georgia, they got outplayed by Auburn, and Auburn's no good. You also have to consider the SEC, which they're prone to do, has looked great in the bowl games. The Big Ten's looked awful. So the biggest wins for Michigan were Ohio State and Penn State. Penn State got run by Ole Miss, and, uh, you know, Ohio State was on a third quarterback by the you know end of the game. But uh, I don't have a feel for it. But I do have a feel for this story getting out, and that's Harbaugh flexing to Michigan. I'm going to do what I want, pursue what I want. There's nothing you can do about it. The stadium was half empty. It was Brady Hoke. It was a mess. You didn't have players. And now it's the best Michigan's been in 30 years. If you want to add another layer to it, uh, Don Yee, you know who he represented during this time. Who was that? Tom Brady. Um, Tom Brady is a Michigan man. Tom Brady was trying to buy a Raiders ownership stake. Uh, I don't know if it's finished, if it's completed, but he's attempting to. And uh, Antonio Pierce has done a great job. But if Jim Harbaugh becomes available and you can get Jim Harbaugh to the Raiders, that is a massive, massive hire. I don't know if he wants to go to that division. You would imagine, this is a very good point, that Brady is in Mark Davis's ear. Wouldn't he be? His loyalty to a Michigan man to Harbaugh. 
It's an offensive league. Tom sees it. Tom had Belichick, defensive coach. He sees these defensive coaches in the NFL can't get the quarterback right. Brady understand what's Brady been saying over and over and over, you know, quarterback, it's it's chestnut checkers. He's very critical of coaching and quarterback play. And if you want to add one more layer, the guy who broke this story, who you used to work with, is a Michigan grad. It could be that Michigan has that offer on the table for Harbaugh. Harbaugh doesn't want to mess around with it. And they say, oh, this guy, let me go leak it to a Michigan man. Adam Schefter. So reporter, who, uh, Michigan yeah, man. Yeah. We're ticked off. Hey, here's the info. It looks like he's it looks like he's going to the NFL. Let's give it to the top NFL reporter to put that out there. And I, I'm sure Harbaugh's not thrilled this is out there a couple days before the game, right? Like, it's all lining up that he's going to go to the league. The question is where? You've ruled out Bears, as a lot of people have, because of the Kevin Warren connection. Leads the Chargers. I would, I would go with the organization with a star quarterback. I, I think it's – I mean, listen, the smartest people in the world – at, at personnel, they watch thousands of hours of tape. Quarterback is the one position. Joe Douglas Jets has drafted mostly A-level. Whiffed on a quarterback. Well, defensively, they've got a bunch of great players. What I'm saying is yeah. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, they, they, Elijah Vera Tucker. They've had a lot of hits. I think Joe got him. Um it's just quarterback is different. So it's easy to say, I love the organization. We'll get the quarterback right. Go ask Sean Payton how that works. How's this for a fun hypothetical, Colin? So Belichick beats the Jets in week 18 and says, my time here is done. If the Chargers have a choice, do you go Belichick or do you go Harbaugh? Harbaugh. I would agree. I just so, want to be clear. Yeah, Harbaugh's better with personnel. The first three years of Harbaugh, he's recruited all these top players. So Harbaugh's first three years, like Pete Carroll's first three in Seattle, go look at what Pete did with the draft. He'd recruited all those kids. So Belichick's bad at drafting and developing, especially offensive players. Remember, if you take look at Belichick's career, Ernie Adams, Dante Skarnecchia, Josh McDaniels leave, Brady leaves. Never been the same. It's a bad team. So I, Harbaugh over Belichick, and it is not, not close. close. He's also a high-energy guy. He infuses the building. He's not a downer. He's not grumpy. I'd go Jim. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. 
you can't go around it. So you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. We are loaded. It's uh, Monday. We are live in Los Angeles. It's the Hurt. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Jimmy Johnson, Urban Meyer last hour talking Texas, Washington, Michigan, Bama. I don't know where to go, Michigan, Bama. I do like Washington. Kalen DeBoer with a month to prepare more. Watch out. Great weekend for Jimmy Johnson. He joins us in five minutes. So, uh... A lot to be right. I was actually 3-2 and two this weekend. You had a rough weekend. That Colts, I lost by half a point. But I will say, week this next week, can't have a blazing yeah. five. You know, you so, don't want to bet week one next year. I think you should punt on this week. Yeah, you don't know who's playing. Yeah, I don't have no, I'm not, you know, it, I'm not doing it. Some it's of a, the lines are crazy. Unless you just want to pick, like, the biggest games. Miami, Buffalo. That's a good game. Yeah, but that's a tough game to pick, you know. know. Blazing one. <laughs> well, wait, uh, Saturday night, I think there's a good game. There's a couple others that matter for playoff um, ramifications, but there's a, like eight games that are irrelevant. You know? Yeah. Here we go. Every Monday at this time, Colin right, Colin wrong, plenty of both. Where Colin was right. Blazing five went three and two. I had the Giants to cover, the Texans to roll, and Arizona plus the points have not had a losing week since pre-Thanksgiving. It's been a very good second half of the season for us. Three and two on the year, and we're happy about it. Where Colin was wrong. I think I was a little too optimistic on the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Sirianni. They've lost four of five. I don't know what their offense is. How can A.J. Brown not have a touchdown in December? Um, I mean, the reality is they've got some really good offensive personnel, a left tackle, a center, a right tackle, capable running backs, always good tight ends, Jalen Hurts, uh, two receivers. And yet, outside of the tush push, I don't know what I get. They were outscored, dominated in this game in the second half. I think I've been too optimistic on the Eagles. 
where Colin was right. The Sean Payton-Russell Wilson divorce, we had said, we're not sure if this thing's going to work. When they signed Jarrett Stidham before the season to an expensive backup deal, that was a warning sign that Sean had looked at film, stylistically didn't think Russell Wilson fit. They have two different personalities. Uh, They clashed on the sidelines once. He was always questioning, simplifying the offense. Uh, You know, the contract stuff aside, that stuff gets ugly all the time in a lot of businesses. But we just didn't think from the very early stages. I thought Sean got the most out of Russ you could get out of Russ at this point in his career. But it's just stylistically and personalities, it's a difficult fit where Colin was wrong. I finally professed my love for Baker Mayfield and the Bucks, and they laid an egg. They trailed 20-0 to the Saints. Uh, Baker did throw for 300-some yards, but most of it was late in the fourth quarter. A little bit of garbage time stuff. Uh, the Saints, and I've got my misgivings about Dennis Allen and that operation right now, but I went all in on Baker, and that was a very weak performance. Where Colin was right. You know I love Kyler Murray. He put on uh, a showcase yesterday. I think he's amazing. 32 first downs, 25 of 31, touchdowns on all four second half possessions. I just think he's magic. I think he throws a beautiful ball. I think he sees the field. I think he is twitchy. Um, Everything. I think he throws a good deep ball, intermediate. Yeah, people say, hey, is he great in the locker room? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know what that means. I'm not in the locker room. All I know is that guy generates offense. And if you didn't watch this game closely, uh, I, I thought Arizona could have had 10 more points. I mean, they, they, they just did what they wanted in the second half. Where Colin was right. The Miami Dolphins. Listen, when they beat Dallas, I said, I'm not going to give you too much credit. I don't trust Dallas on the road. I don't think Miami's the kind of team that will be able in the postseason to match up physically with, with some of these teams. This game was interesting for a quarter, but all the gaps. Um, I mean, they didn't pick up their alerts, their checks, whatever it was on the defensive end, but there was just mistakes all over the field. And again, I think they're fun. I think they're flashy. I think they're fast. I think Mike McDaniel's really clever, certainly capable of winning a playoff game. But this is the kind of game, Northeast physical team, that I always have my questions about with Miami. Where Colin was wrong. Boy, did I miss on this. By October, I was done with Jordan Love. I didn't see it at all. He was tall and athletic, but erratic. He's been terrific. His last seven games, 16 touchdowns and a pick. And remember, all these receivers and tight ends are kids. They're first and second round players. This is the youngest team in the league. So we always knew he had the size. He was athletic. He had a pretty good whip. But I, he's really playing under control. I like the fact he's a risk taker. He'll throw it downfield. Um, boy, I was wrong on that one. This kid is really, really over the last seven weeks exploded. Where Colin was right. Florida State got beat 63-3. to George is the one that should be upset. They're the one that may, may be better than everybody. Michigan, Bama, Texas, and Washington. And what really bothered me about Florida State, leadership comes in many forms. When the administrators and the coaches pouted and whined and complained nonstop for two weeks, it set the tone in the building. The young players watched it and mailed it in. Obviously, preparation was poor. Many quit. Many transferred. Leadership comes in many forms. 
just because you don't get your way whining and pouting by adults set a really bad tone for this game where Colin was right you know I love spring football and I know it keeps failing but yesterday Fox and ESPN jointly announced the UFL this thing is going to work with legalized gambling in America I told you years ago I would have invested in the MLS a decade ago those have exploded I would have invested in MMA UFC 20 years ago I didn't have any money the UFL, the Spring Football League, the two major sports networks, it's going to work, and both network presidents signed off on it yesterday. Um, Colin Wright, Colin Wrong on a Monday. So uh, uh, a really, really emotional weekend for our friend uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, who, who comes on our show, you know, pretty regularly. We try to get him every four or five weeks. He teaches us stuff about football, uh, the Hall of Famer. So he um, finally, <laughs> Jerry Jones acknowledging, yeah, this ring honor thing's not going to look right if uh, Jimmy Johnson's not in it. So Jimmy was uh, introduced and included in the Cowboys ring of honor, and here it was. People have asked what this means to me. I'm so very, very proud, proud of what we accomplished. And when I say we, a lot of people, but more than anybody else, thank you, Jerry Jones, for bringing me to the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just got one more thing to say. <laughs> Jimmy uh, must be wiped out. A very emotional weekend for him. There was the rock moment. We'll show you later. Um, you know, it, you know, it, for us at the family, uh, this was one of these things that uh, you know we're all partners in this world of the NFL and the Cowboys and Jimmy Johnson. But for us, we were all like, "Come on, Jerry!" And um, when you got the call, when you got the call privately, uh, you and I talked about this. When you got the call privately, it does mean something. This stuff does mean stuff, right, Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. You know, Colin, the big thing, uh, you know, Jerry told me for years I was going to go in the Ring of Honor. So I, I knew eventually it would happen. Uh, but what was special, you know, I had my family, my wife Rhonda, my, you know, sons Brent and Chad and their wives, Rhonda's daughter. Uh, all my best friends, uh, all the Fox crew, the, my players, my coaches. I mean, they were all there. And so that's really what made it special. Yeah. You know, it, I, when I watched the Cowboys-Lions game, I know the officials, it appears, made a mistake. But you've told me this before. Right. They happen. You can't be a fan or a player. Right. As a head coach, you've got to be emotional and just deal with it. You're not a player. You're not a coordinator. You're a head coach. I didn't like Dan Campbell going for it again. You'd use your trick play. That's a congested area, Jimmy. I didn't like it. I would have kicked the PAT and gone to yeah. overtime. Would you have done the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I think he got emotional. He got upset. 
that the official probably made a bad call, but you know he got himself in trouble because uh, he tried to trick the the Cowboys and to see who the substitution was and who was eligible. And what he did, he tricked the official. Uh, <laughs> the official wasn't sure, you know, because really, sixty eight, you know, three people went up toward uh, the official, you know, and even though sixty eight said, you know, hey, I'm the one, I'm eligible. Uh, he was trying to confuse the Cowboys, and what he did, he he confused the official. The official made the wrong call, uh, but then again, you got to deal with it. And then after they penalized him, uh, rather than be emotional about it, kick the extra point, try to win it in overtime because really they were playing better than the Cowboys. Yes, yes. And so yeah, that, that's that's the reason why I would always make a decision whether not to go into overtime or not. If I was the underdog and if I didn't have as good a team as the opponent, uh, then I might go for two. Yeah. But if I had the better team, I would feel like, hey, let's put it in overtime because we're the better team. We'll win it in overtime. Um, okay, let's go to the Dallas side. And this this bothers me. Um, whenever coaches go for it and it fails, you know, they always say the same thing. Hey, I wanted to go for it. And it's hard as a reporter <laughs> – to push back on that, right? We all love aggressive coaching, but I didn't love Mike. Right. Ma- I didn't love Mike McCarthy in field goal range anyway. Detroit's got one timeout. Jimmy, I didn't like them throwing the ball in a low percentage drifter down the no. right sideline. What did you make of that? And, and in fact, I said the same thing on Fox NFL Sunday. You know, he gave Detroit an opportunity to win the game. Uh, rather than running the clock out, make them get rid of their timeouts and win the game that way. And so, no, I didn't like him throwing the football there at the end because he just opened the door for Detroit. So I got to ask you about Philadelphia. Jimmy, um, you coaches all, you experiment at your OTAs. You experiment in preseason. Even in September, you're going to try some things to figure out if guys can play. How can they play? But you get post-Thanksgiving, you like to have stuff buttoned up. I watch Philadelphia's offense. I like their personnel. I, st- I don't know what they are offensively. I don't know. Can, can you flip a switch this late in the season, Jimmy? I, no, I, I think they've got real problems. And uh, there's two things there, Colin. Uh, as far as their offense, people have seen that offense. And the more times you play against it, the more times you practice against it, you know, Gannon practiced against it, you know, every day a year ago when he was the defensive <laughs> coordinator. Yeah. And so he knew how to play that offense. The other thing is they are so bad in the secondary. Uh, I don't know if their defensive backfield can hold up. Uh, they've got a lot of good players. Uh, I'll say that they've got a lot of good players, but they're really poor in the pass defense and people are playing their offense better than they have in the previous years. I got to ask you about this because, um, I mean, you've had contract negotiations with, uh, you know, uh, Wayne Huizenga, Jerry Jones, and Fox. Stuff gets dicey, and and the Russell Wilson, Sean Payton stuff, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I just don't pretend I know. But there is something about this relationship. Sean is almost to a fault, authentic and emotional and outspoken. It's gotten him in trouble. Russell is relentlessly optimistic, so much so he's had teammates turn on him. I never felt the personalities worked. You don't have to go to dinner. Okay, Belichick and Brady weren't, weren't going out for cocktails, but this just never felt right to me. Did it feel right for you? 
Well, you know, first of all, you mentioned Belichick and Brady. And, of course, as you know, I know uh, both of them, especially Bill, you know, extremely well. Both of them respected each other uh, as winners. Uh, Both of them knew that the other one could help them win championships. So there was tremendous respect there. Uh, I don't think you have that with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. And I'm not real sure Sean Payton wanted Russell Wilson from day one. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is he got that huge contract. And now it looks like Sean's going to try to you know, win without, not only without Russell Wilson, he's going to try to win without the same amount of money uh, as the opposing teams. Uh, because there's going to be a lot of dead money for the next couple of years. So. And so his cap number will be much smaller than his opponents. Now, whether or not, you know, a lot of times, you know, you can play with some cheap players and still win games. <laughs> but it's nice to have the, the best players. Um, so uh, Miami, I, I've watched San Francisco and Miami try to defend Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, he's now become. No, a, uh, it, it doesn't work. Any, I don't care who it is. It's not going to work against Lamar Jackson. It, is <laughs> there a, a way? Player. Is there a? What would you have done against Lamar? What What, what would you have tried? I'd start studying the next week's opponent and try to beat them. <laughs> yeah, there's not much. You know what I love about him, Jimmy, and you see this with a lot of players, not necessarily quarterbacks. He's so competitive. He gets so angry yeah. at himself. How did? How much did you value competitiveness? Oh, please. Uh, you know, if he's a great competitor, uh, not only is he going to compete during the ball game, uh, he's going to be competitive getting ready for the ball game. Uh, after a loss, he's going to be you know that much of a competitor in preparing for the next opponent. So the competitiveness. Helps you not only on game day, but it helps you throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah, you know that very, very well about so many guys in locker rooms from the 28 spot to the 55 spot in a roster are leaders, gunners on special teams, and they, they make a big difference. So yeah. I, want, I want to take you to a moment uh, yesterday. This, it's amazing to me that we knew this. The Rock came on the Fox Sports show Sunday, right? Uh, NFL Sunday right. with Fox. You guys have been doing this for years. And there was a little surprise that Rock delivered to Jimmy Johnson. Here it is. I had to take a moment just, just to let you know how influential you've actually been uh, in my life. When I was getting in trouble at 15 years old, getting arrested, my football coach said, you come play football. I committed to the game of football. There was one team in the country that got my attention, and it right. was University of Miami. And there was one man who got my attention, and that was you. Coach, I'm here to tell you, uh, when I was 18, I wanted to give you this. This is my letter of intent to play for you. <laughs> so if you ever decide to coach again, coach, it'll be enough. That is, cr- did, did you know, he, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Did, how, what did you make of that? Well, yeah, I, I knew he loved University of Miami, and I, and I knew, of course, he played there. But, you know, when he kind of made up his mind he was going to go to University, University of Miami, 
that's when I was still there. Then I left and went to the Cowboys, and he stuck with his decision to go to Miami. Uh, but uh, he still is a huge Miami fan and obviously a great star in, in a lot of different areas. You know, Jimmy, you've had a career where you're one of the best college coaches ever. You're one of the best NFL coaches ever. You are, as everybody at Fox knows, you're the coach on the set. You know, the, those guys are screwing around. You're the coach on the set just making sure Bradshaw and Howie Long and Strahan show up and, uh, you know, wear their suits. Is, um, you know, off, you don't celebrate yourself a lot. You, you're a grinder. You used to get here before everybody. You'd walk down the road in L.A. and get here, and I'd see you walking all over town. Is If I said to you, if I, said to you I was going to hire a young Jimmy Johnson, and I'm the athletic director or I'm the owner, and I said, there's this guy, Jimmy Johnson. What do you think your core strength has been? I know you, you, you don't like talking about this stuff. What is your core strength or the message you would give to coaches about how to get it right, college and pro? Well, you know, a bunch of my guys were down here, you know, this past summer, and they were all talking what my strength was. And, you know, a couple of them said, well, evaluating talent, you know, drafting, picking up free agents. Uh, another one said motivating the team, et cetera. I, I said, you know, I, I think my greatest strength is I try to bring out the best in everybody. Uh, Jerry Jones said it uh, a couple of days ago. He said, I inspired him uh, to be competitive. It inspired him to be the very best. You know, I try to bring out you know, the best in everybody I'm around, whether or not it's the Fox NFL Sunday set, whether or not it's uh, the graphic people, whether or not it's the cameraman, you know, whoever it is. And, and so uh, yeah, that's the thing that I try to bring to the table. Um, as far as the talent, now, remember, Colin, on your show a few years ago, we were talking about the draft. It's about a week or two before the draft. Yeah. And, and I said, you know what? Detroit needs to draft one of these young quarterbacks like Justin Herbert. And people said, well, they've got Matthew Stafford. And, and so they're going to draft this defensive back, Okuda or whatever. I said, you'd rather have a franchise quarterback or a defensive back? And that was just a week or two for, before the draft. Now, I think looking back, they probably would have draft, you know, drafted Justin Herbert. You know. and, and so you look at Chicago now. And, and so evaluating talent, that's what I love. I love evaluating players. And, you know, Chicago right now, they've got a chance to take Caleb Williams. But you got to realize a team wins the Super Bowl, not just the quarterback. You know, is it Jamarcus Russell? Is it Cam Newton? Is it Jared Goff? You know, look at all the first picks in the draft. And so they've got to make a decision. You know, can they win a Super Bowl with, with uh, Fields with about five or six great players because they can trade that number one pick? Yeah. You know, for a lot of picks. Yes. Or can they take Caleb Williams with the roster they have with a couple of players and win a Super Bowl? That's the decision they have to make. Uh, and it's going to be a interesting one to see which way they go. I would take Caleb and reset the clock. My belief is he's a better thrower of the football. What would you do? I don't know. Uh, Justin Fields has come on strong. And like I said, you could take that number one pick and you can get, you can probably get five or six players. Yeah. Uh, really good players, you know. Uh, or you can take Caleb Williams. He may be Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and you're still going to get a couple of good players because you've got some other picks. Uh, so if you think he's Patrick Mahomes, 
Uh, I'd say take Caleb Williams. Yeah, you have to rely on your scouts. Finally, you're uniquely positioned to have a comment on this. Um, There's a handful of great college jobs. Now, you made Miami a great job, but they don't have the funding historically of a Alabama or an Ohio State. I think Michigan's a right. top. I think Michigan's a top five job. You, it was a little smoke and mirrors down right. in Miami. <laughs> you know, it, you had some recruiting, <laughs> but you know, you didn't have the fan, the culture. We, I think Michigan. We had to tell. We had to tell them we, we were going to get good facilities <laughs> <laughs> every year. We don't have a stadium, and we don't have very good facilities, but we're going to get there eventually. <laughs> now they they are improving, by yeah. the way. <laughs> so I think Michigan is one of the 10 best jobs in America, pro or college. But boy, right. go to Chargers, get Justin Herbert. It's a higher level of coaching. What would you do if you're Harbaugh? Yeah, you know, uh, this this comment came to me secondhand. So, you know, you know I, I can't say if it's 100% accurate. Uh, but Nick Saban supposedly made the comment here not too awful long ago. Uh, with all the NIL problems with all the transfer portal problems. Uh, if he wasn't at the age that he is right now, he'd go back to pro football because it is a pain right now. And I don't like it at all. The way college football is being operated with NIL and with the transfer portal. Um, if I was hardball and say, Hey, adios, I'm going to pro football and, you know, with a great quarterback. By the way, Jimmy, did you notice that basketball coaches Jay Wright, Mike Shashevsky, and Roy Williams all retired probably earlier than they maybe Shashevsky know? But a lot of these college basketball coaches saw this thing coming and went, "This is a mess. We're out of here." Jay Wright had another ten years to coach. He's like, "I don't want anything to do with this stuff." They got to work twelve months out of the year around the clock just to recruit their own players to keep them from transferring. Uh, you know, they've got to identify certain players. Well, who's going to get what money with the NIL, this guy or that guy, and then ends up you give money to a guy that can't play a lick, you know. And so it is a real headache. I, you know, like I said, I think uh, at one time college coaching, man, that was the easiest thing going because you coached during the season, during the offseason, you had family time, you could travel, you could do whatever. Do a month or two of recruiting, no big deal. If you're at a great school, you're going to get great players. Uh, but that, the atmosphere has changed. Uh, now, I think the college coaches are working as hard, if not harder, than yeah. the pro coaches. Yeah. Great weekend for you, Jimmy. Several more to go. You always take time for me. We know you're busy, and I appreciate it. All right, Colin. Hey, happy new year. Happy new year to you. Um, yeah, no, I think he, he brings up a good point. And, and Jay Wright had another decade to coach. He's like, I'm out of here. Roy Williams, Coach K were older. But if Saban said that, and I didn't hear that, the NIL, the transfer portal, Jimmy made a great point. You spend so much of your time recruiting your own players to stay. And I'm for the portal at NIL. But guardrails are very important. It's a little wild, wild west. I think it's come back down to earth recently, but it's not perfect. 
I think the 12-team playoff next year, you're not going to see Ohio State's quarterback transferring out when they're in the playoff. I think you've got so many useless bulls. This is kind of a messy pivot from one system to another system. Guys leaving. I think next year, those 12-team playoffs, you're not going to see top programs lose their quarterbacks because they're playing in the Liberty Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.